podcast listeners, I'd like to introduce you to, to my friend and colleague, uh, John Myers. Uh, John is, is a uh, life sciences uh, business consultant based in Shanghai, and he lives there with his Chinese girlfriend. Uh, John, uh, great guy, got a, I got a call from a colleague a couple weeks ago saying, oh my God, John's got the virus, gave John a call. And John's got an interesting story. He's probably one of the few people who has been quarantined in Shanghai for six weeks or so, and then came back to the U.S. His father's uh, elderly here, and but when he gets back into the U.S., he gets the coronavirus. And so, so John has been quarantined here in uh, in uh, in, in uh, Louisiana, and uh, called John about a week ago or ten days ago, and I I called him and I'm like, oh my God, John, how's it going? And I I heard a cough, and then uh, and then all of a sudden uh, uh, he was better then. And so, so John has been fully cleared right now, uh, free to actually go out and, uh, and not to be in quarantine anymore. So, so John, you have a very interesting story. A lot of our listeners, I think, are, are going to be very, very interested in it. So why don't you tell us a little bit about yourself, where you're from, what do you do, and then sure. let's go in and we'll just ask questions back and forth. Okay? Sure, sure. I grew up as an Air Force brat. My dad was a, a pilot in the Air Force. So I moved from place to place, uh, never lived longer than five years in one place. And uh, it was an interesting upbringing. It made me very curious about living uh, in other countries. That's ultimately why I ended up in China. Uh, I'm a chemical engineer, chemical engineer by trade as an undergrad and then have an MBA and then have been working on the business side of drug development in the San Francisco Bay Area for more than 11 years before moving to China uh, about 11 years ago and have been working in China uh, with Randy, and uh, we've been working on uh, helping uh, U.S. companies and European companies find investors and part strategic partners in China. So that's, that's me in a very quick nutshell. Randy, what else can I start uh, telling you about? Yeah, John, I'll tell you what, you know, uh, why don't you maybe talk to, to, uh, to our listeners a bit about, you know, living and working in China, and then, and, you, know, you know, what have been your perceptions, you know, so far that, and then we'll go in and we'll talk more about the virus and, 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 and we'll talk about quarantine and, and, and different approach on the governmental side and, and the like. So why don't you just take it away? So what, what was it like? I, I, mean, I mean, Harriet's lived in China with me for, uh, for a couple summers. We, we've sort of been there, but you know, our listeners may not have an appreciation, both for the good and for the bad of China. Well, living in China as a foreigner is, is actually pretty nice. The Chinese... Uh, they typically go out of their way to accommodate you if there are any problems or any issues. They don't. They 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 want foreigners to have a good impression of China. So they'll they'll bend over backwards to accommodate you as long as you're quite frankly not being a jerk or not being presumptuous or not expecting them to adhere to Western ways. As long as you're polite to the, with, with the Chinese and you give them face, uh, they're pretty nice to you. They're curious about foreigners. They want to know about you, and it's actually a very interesting place to live. The culture is very diverse. There are 57, 55 or 57 ethnic minorities there. Uh, the food is fantastic and the people are friendly. So on a personal level, uh, China is a fun place to live. Um, on a professional level, uh, China is a, is, is a good place to run your own business. It's not necessarily a good place to work for somebody else. Um, and on the service provider side, uh, uh, 
it's difficult to do business with the Chinese. So all of our clients come from outside of China. We find clients that want to, again, raise money and uh, uh, find strategic partners in the healthcare industry in China. So that's our model. And that's just a quick uh, overview about how China is to, to work on a personal level. Now, on a professional level, it, you've got to be very careful doing business in, in China. Um, the, all of the, the, the bad things you hear, the, the things about IP theft and, uh, and stealing your business and this, that, and the other, this is all true. Uh, they don't single out foreigners for this. It's, it's the way they do business with each other. So they'll look at a foreigner and they'll think, oh, this guy's an easy mark because he doesn't understand how things are done here. But they don't try to cheat foreigners out of a, out of a, a sense of malice because, because they cheat each other just the same. So you've got to be uh, street smart when you're doing business in China. Uh, but it can be done and it can be done successfully, particularly in our industry. You know, healthcare is one of the uh, three pillar industries supported by the Chinese government. So uh, from a business perspective, if you're smart and you work with foreign clients wanting to do business in China, uh, the business model. That's why, guys, if you're, if you're in the life sciences and you want to know more about China, John's your man. So, so we'll provide contact information. For everybody wants to know about uh, coronavirus right now, you know, you know, you know COVID-19. So why don't you take us through, you know, when you were in Shanghai, when you first found out about it, what were the responses of the government and the people? How did you respond? You know, how did you respond to quarantine? And, and when it was over, I, I would say it was over, but you came out of it pretty unscathed. What did you think about how, how everything was handled? And, 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 you know, as an American, did you feel, I don't know, did you feel any different pressure than anybody else? Or, well, just, well, just take us through your feelings there. And, and, and I guess this goes back to what, maybe November or December or January? Uh, this, this would go back to January. I, uh, I, I uh, flew back to Shanghai in early January. And, that's, and towards the middle or end of January is when the, the virus really started hitting China hard. Um, and Shanghai was immediately shut down. Uh, you, the only thing that was open at the, at the, during this period of time was they had grocery stores open. And I was under self-quarantine, living with my girlfriend for six weeks. And I, I think I left the apartment four times to go to the ATM. And that was about it. Um, wow. everyone, everyone wears masks. Um, there were no restaurants or bars or anything like that open. Uh, fortunately for us, the grocery store was on the ground floor of our apartment. When my girlfriend would go to the grocery store, she would wear a mask. She would wear goggles. She would wear plastic gloves. And they would measure her temperature before they allowed her to enter into the grocery store. So, um, so from from a from a lockdown perspective, from a health perspective, that's a good thing. When you have uh, an authoritarian government, they can say this will be done, and it's done. Uh, you don't have spring breakers partying on the beach uh, like like you have here when when the virus is still active. So, um, you know, they they. Uh, they shut, thing down, shut things down very quickly in Shanghai, and I lived inside the whole time. It was frustrating, but, you know, necessary. And um, towards the uh, uh, in er early March, it was coming up to the point where, you know, my visa requires that I leave the country every two months. And I thought, 
well, why don't I just go home to the U.S. and go see my dad? He's getting up in years, and I'd like to. He had some medical problems in, in Christmas time in December, and I'd like to spend more time with him. So I decided to fly back to the U.S. And uh, when I left, um, I took the bus from downtown Shanghai to the to the Pudong Airport. I was the only guy on the bus, and I got to the airport, and the airport had a skeleton crew. There was almost no people at the airport. And I was wearing a mask the whole time. Uh, my flight was through Osaka uh, on Japan Airlines. And, you know, the Japanese are very meticulous about keeping things clean. And so uh, I don't suspect anything happened on that flight. Landed in Osaka. They measured our temperature. They checked us out. And, uh, and then from Osaka, I, I took a flight to, uh, to LAX, again, on Japan Airlines. So... Um, and this was when, John? Late November? This, I mean, late this, uh, January? This, no, no, this would be March 2nd. I was in Shanghai from I was in Shanghai from early January until March 2nd. And, um, a, a, and as of the middle of January in Shanghai, we were, we were under self-quarantine. So um, uh, I'm 100% convinced that I was clean. My, you know, I, uh, my girlfriend doesn't have the virus, and uh, I barely left the apartment. So if I'm thinking about where I may have picked the virus up, I don't think it's likely that I picked it up on the bus on the on the way to the airport in, P- in Pudong. And I don't think it's very likely that I picked it up in the airport in, in Shanghai either because the airport was almost empty. Um, I think low probability that I picked it up in Japan. Uh, if I were to guess, and, and I could be completely wrong about this, but if I were to guess as to where... I may have picked the virus up. After landing in LAX, they checked our temperature. Everything was fine. Uh, got through passport control and, and, and uh, virus control. I uh, went into the waiting hall to catch my flight from LAX to Dallas, and it was just packed full of people standing almost face-to-face. Nobody now, was, was the waiting hall, John? So, so take us through that a second. So did yeah. they segregate you at that point? So was there any type of... You know, they checked your temperature. So did they segregate a bunch of you then who came from China to make sure you didn't, I don't say infect anybody else, but is that what they did or was it yeah. just a big haul? They, typical? No, haul? no, no. When I, when I came through passport control at LAX, they, uh, they, they segregated the people who had come originally from China. They checked our temperatures. They gave us some literature about the virus and, you know, and told us, you know, to be careful, you know, we're, we checked out. As I recall, my temperature was 98.1. I was fine. Um, yeah. And uh, uh, they also checked our temperature in Japan, and I was fine there, too. Um, so afterwards, after getting through passport control, then I had to go to another area to, to, to get on my flight to Dallas. And there were many, many people in this area, and they were all standing face-to-face, and... Uh, if I were to guess, that's where I may have contracted, but contracted the virus. But I could be completely wrong about that. Uh, I do not think I got it in China. If, if, if I got it in China, then I think my girlfriend would also have it, and she doesn't have it. So sure. uh, uh, I'm, I'm 90% sure that this happened in the U.S. Mm-hmm. Well, then you get on a flight to Dallas. Yeah. And you're just on a normal flight, a normal crowded flight, right? Yeah, and and did they take your temperature in Dallas too, or no. were you just sort of lost in the system at that point? No, I mean, yeah, I was, I, I was just in the system at that point. They they only take temperatures, you know, 
take your temperature at, at the various borders. So when I flew into Japan, they took it, took it. And then when I flew into LAX, they took it. Once I was in the country, I was in. And uh, so, yeah, go, ahead. Go, go ahead, Randy. No, no. So then you were in. So you flew to Dallas, and to, did you drive to then to Louisiana? No, no. Uh, I had a, a layover there, and then a, about a one-hour flight from Dallas to Shreveport, and I arrived on March. And then, then I arrived on March second. Very and good Cajun food in Shreveport. Been in Shreveport uh, a bunch of times. Good, good Cajun food and real good actually, Cajun food. You can get some good barbecue here too. So I've, I've been eating. Oh well. yeah. I think that's one reason I was able to fight this virus off. <laughs> so I'm telling you, get that hot, get get that you know, you know jambalaya and uh, crawfish. Oh my god, I'm I'm, I'm salivating just thinking about it right now. I've already eaten. Some, the, I've already eaten some very good crawfish, and it's early in the season right now. The shells are really soft; they're easy to peel. So. Oh man, oh man. So so then, John. So take us through. Then I, I remember calling you in Louisiana, and, and you didn't have anything. So. Take us through, you know, so I remember calling you and said that that you had to call in your temperature a couple of times a day. Was yeah. that before yeah. you yeah. thought you had anything or what? No, the, the Louisiana authorities, since I had come from China, were asking me to report my temperature twice a day. And um, uh, I was doing that. And about seven, eight, nine days into that process, I started uh, developing... Uh, a headache and uh, fever, and after a couple of days of that, I decided I should go get tested. And I did go get tested. I went to uh, uh, Willis Knight and Piermont Hospital here in Shreveport. And what type of test did they give you? Did they give you uh, an, an antibody test? I, I I don't know. I don't know exactly what kind of test it was. They, they put me in a negative pressure room because obviously they thought they thought I was at risk, and uh, they first gave me a flu test, which came back negative, and then they gave me the uh, they gave me the uh, coronavirus test. It was a nasal swab and a throat swab, but I don't know specifically what kind of test it was. How um, soon did that take to come back? Do you know, that came back in about two or three hours. Oh, okay. Okay. It, it was it was quick, and that came back positive. And, but my, uh, you know, I was early in the process. I, I didn't have any respiratory issues. I just had headache and fever and they said, go home. And so, uh, I went home and, uh, in the meantime, they had given me the phone number of some doctors to call. And I ultimately ended up with a doc, uh, who agreed to make house calls and come check on me. Um, oh, wow, that was, that's great. That was very nice of him because you've got this virus, you've been sent home, you're scared. And, uh, and, and the way the disease progressed for me is first just, uh, first just like a bad flu. You're sleeping all the time, your body's fighting the virus, uh, you've got uh, headaches, you've got fever. Uh, I'm fighting everything with over-the-counter medicines, uh, Tylenol to break the fever and... Uh, uh, no aspirin. I took aspirin originally, but then Tylenol to break the fever. But then it slowly started progressing down into my lungs. And um, I, I developed a very nasty dry cough, which wasn't productive at all. And it made it difficult. Although I could manage to breathe, it made it difficult to breathe. And it made it very difficult to sleep. So you, you, can, you can get into a very negative downward spiral there where you're getting weaker and weaker and weaker. And it becomes more and more difficult to breathe. 
Fortunately, were you ever at a point where you where you thought you'd wait to go to the hospital to go on a ventilator, or did, no, did you not no. think you'd get that point? No, I uh, I did not get to that point because uh, the doc that was checking in on me uh, immediately prescribed uh, a very strong codeine-based cough suppressant. And not only did the, did this cough suppressant kill my cough and enabled me, enabled, enabled me to breathe, but the codeine also put me to sleep so I could gain the strength so then I could also gain the strength I needed to, to fight the virus. So I think this is something that's key, and doctors should be aware of this, and they should use this as much as possible. So I didn't get into any... What was, the name, of the, uh, what was the name of that? Was it just coding? Uh, I, I don't... Uh, the bottle's in the, in, across the house in the bathroom. I will find out. I'll, I'll get that name for you. Yeah, sure. It's just good good for our, our listeners to uh, just, uh, just, just know about but. Yeah, if, if you're in this position, and, and just make sure that you get a very good uh, codeine. Codeine will put you to sleep. Codeine base, and it, 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 this, this is only given by uh, prescription. A good, very good codeine-based cough suppressant. It will knock you out. It will make you sleep. It, it will enable, enable your body to get stronger and fight the virus. And I was 50% better the next morning. And then it oh, was wow. all... Uh, and it was, it was all... Uh, 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 uphill, uh, uphill. It was all uh, uh, improvement from there, and um, that. Let me let me try and guesstimate when when that was. Probably fifteenth or sixteenth uh, of this month, sixteenth maybe, and um, and I and I just got better and better, and uh, um, the, the fever and the headaches went away, and the breathing came back, and. Um, just yesterday, the doc gave me the okay to uh, stop self-quarantine. So, um, oh, wow. and, hope, Congratulations, and, hopefully John. And, and hopefully I'm developing antibodies. So uh, I'm coming out of this thing stronger. Now, uh, uh, has anybody advised for you to give a blood sample or anything? I, I think I read something the other day where, where they're advising people to give blood samples here who, who have, uh, you know, who, who've gotten it. And I don't I know have, if that's for research purposes or what. Uh, I have heard, heard, I've seen these reports on television, either for research purposes or perhaps they actually use the, the, the blood sample to, to develop antibodies to, to treat other patients. Um, but nobody has asked me or advised me to do that here, but I'm happy to do that if, if there's a need. What is your post care going to be then? Do, do, do you have to be on the lookout for anything or, you know, Not so really. what are you thinking? Not really. Uh, my post care is to clean the house as well as possible. Uh, I've already washed all my bed sheets and my comforters and my pillows, and uh, uh, I'm wiping all surfaces down with with alcohol uh, wipes because that kills the virus immediately on contact. Um, I've done a good job of staying away from my dad. Unfortunately, he did not pick up the virus. You know, he's 85 years old. Thank God. No, I was going to ask dead. you about that. Yeah, yeah. So, so can you tell us a little bit about that? So. You you not only had a you not only had the social distance you had a quarantine so what is that what do you do so you're you're a pretty calm guy so I'd say on the on the calm scale I mean I, I mean you know you're you know I call you a Texas guy because you sort of have that that Texas sort of twang about you and sort of way about you but 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 what's going through your mind when it's like you know you got you got COVID nineteen what the hell is going through your mind well. Before I had the doctor checking in on me, it's a little scary. 
you know, I felt like, uh, you know, okay, I, I had the test at the hospital and they just said, go home. Uh, and then I started making a few phone calls and I found a guy that agreed to come out to the house. He literally, literally made a house call. He pulled into the garage. He said, open up your garage door so I can, I can put on my Darth Vader suit, and, but the neighbors won't see it. And, and he came in and, you know, he, he just did, uh, you know, standard checks, check my breathing. And, and, uh, but, you know, uh, having him around and monitoring my, my health and my situation was very comforting. And then ultimately when he prescribed the, the right cough syrup at the right time, uh, I think he prevented me from, from sliding down into a, to an area where I may have, may have had some, uh, serious respiratory problems. So, uh, uh, I'm very grateful to this guy. And John, I guess yours, you know, look, I, you know, I don't guess your age, you know, so early fifties maybe and no health problems. Is that right? Yeah. 56, no health problems. Yeah. Yeah. Well, that's good. That's I've always good. taken, I've always taken good care of myself and work out in the gym and that kind of thing. So, well, that's good. That's good. And, and, and you know, during this period, you know, Harriet and I have been talking a lot with, you know, you know, healthcare providers now and, and the like. So during this period, what did you do for food? You know, did you have somebody go and getting you food? Did, you know, what were you eating? Were you taking vitamins? You know, where, what were you yeah. doing? Um, first, I take vitamins every day. I take a multivitamin and vitamin E every day. So, yes, I was taking vitamins. Uh, my dad was going out and buying food, going to Walmart, places like that. And he would go out and get carry out food and bring it back. So I was eating well, which is important even though you don't want to eat, you know, particularly when you initially get something like this, you don't want to eat. You have to force yourself to eat. Um, and I did that. And I didn't care whether I was eating junk food or healthy food. I just needed energy. So I ate everything I could get my hands on. Um, so, uh, and, and after the cough syrup, it was, all, it was all easy. But, you know, my number one recommendation for anybody who has this virus and if they start to develop a cough, is to make sure their doctor prescribes a very good and very strong codeine-based cough syrup, which will obliterate your cough and, and enable you to sleep. And you will get stronger, and your body will defeat the virus. That, that's, my, that, that's my number one recommendation. Uh, you know, looking back then, you know, you had the U.S. response and the Chinese response. I know there are different responses for different countries. Uh, so, uh, so... What do you think right now? I, 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 I mean, is there anything we could have done better and moving forward? You know, looking back at the two systems, you know, what do you think could have been improved? I mean, you know, let's say on the Chinese side, what would you do differently? Well, there was an obvious period of time in the, in the, at the beginning of the virus in China where doctors who tried to speak out and say, hey, we have a problem here, were, were uh, were suppressed. They were forced to uh, sign documents recanting the fact that they see, they saw the virus. And in fact, one of those doctors from Wuhan died, 35 year old guy or mid thirties. Um, so, you know, the, uh, the, the, at least the local Chinese government in Wuhan was trying to suppress the existence of the virus at an early stage. Had they been more honest about that whole thing and asked for help and, perhaps even ask for international help, uh, this virus might not be anywhere near as bad as it, bad as it is now. Um, that being said, a after they uh, realized that there was seriously a problem, you know, they pretty much shut the country down and, and 
and they've done a, a fairly good job. So uh, that is my assessment of, of how the Chinese have handled that situation. Um, and and as I said earlier, I think Trump has done an excellent job. He he shut the border, shut shut uh, uh, flights down from China very early on, and was criticized for it, and was called uh, you know uh, racist and and anti-immigrant and all of these things. But he did the right thing. Uh, and one reason Italy is having the problems it's having now is that they did not shut their borders down at the same time. So. Um, uh, authoritarian systems like China, when, when they have their strategy right, uh, they, they can move very quickly and solve problems very quickly. Um, but when political interests are involved, like, like they were early in the coronavirus virus process there, then there are delays and, uh, and whistleblowers are persecuted and things don't happen as quickly as they should. So, um, those are the advantages and the disadvantages of their system. What about our system? Well, what do you think? Was it a bit too lax when we first, you know, it's, you know, somebody said in World War II, we're not the quickest to, to mobilize, but once we are, watch out, you know, because we've got this private sector where if you, if you gear the private sector up, we have so much capacity in the private sector, but it takes us, it takes us a good, you know, while before we get our act together but do we have that act together john are we doing it are we going to get there or it's just we can't in this type of democratic system oh well, we have our act together and we'll get there i think you're right about slow response it's the nature of of our constitutional republic um i will say i will say this trump was very decisive very early and was criticized for it but did the right thing so uh and we're marshalling our resources uh you know new york is the hardest hit they do have some capacity problems. Um, they are not short of, of, of uh, ventilators right now. I, from what I understand, they, they have several thousand ventilators that aren't being used. Um, hopefully that continues to be the case. Um, we just need to make sure that we have the resources where we need them and, um, and keep fighting. I, I, despite the, the, the bitter uh, partisan political environment in the U.S. right now, we are amazingly seeing cooperation, and uh, that's a good thing, too. So um, our system's been around for a long time. We've been through several world wars, and this virus is not going to beat us. Well, that's great. You know, you know, John, you know, you're a life sciences guy, man. You know, like me, and you're a, you're a multinational guy. Is this going to change our, you know, our pandemic response or CDC response in the future? Are we going to be more prepared or are we going to go back to the life where we just put it out of our mind almost like in california we get our fires we have a fire we all panic we all say we're going to do something then we go back and just let it happen again what what do you think i think we're going to be more prepared next time uh uh these things will happen again and again and you know uh, i think we're we're developing a new a new paradigm in terms of how to react to epidemics and pandemics uh, and we will be much better the next time this happens. And it's in, it's interesting because you know President Trump has been criticized, you know, as was President Obama when they cut the CDC on the pandemic side. So you know, a lot of people don't realize President Obama cut CDC also. But you know, 
maybe we throw a bit of right wing and conservative politics in here now that we got the only Democrat off the, off the air here a second. Oh boy. But, uh, you know, isn't it amazing though, that president Trump was criticized for a slow response when he was battling Remember in January that, you know, he was battling impeachment and maybe if we wouldn't have been bothered with this phony impeachment, maybe we could have, you know, taken it, I don't say taken it more seriously, but reacted a bit better quickly. Well, I think you I know? think that, I think that's a valid point, but I think it's ridiculous to uh, criticize Trump for slow response when he shut the borders down as quickly as he did, and was criticized for it by the Democrats. Exactly, exactly, and, 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 and you know, uh, I know we're March twenty seventh uh, today, Friday, and I know this one Republican congressman has been getting a lot of grief right now for his stance about some of the pork. But you look at some of the pork in there, and I mean, oh my God, it's just climate change and this and that and you just like focus on the on the issue give you know if you're going to help the people who have been affected the you know the you know the, the many people who have filed unemployment claims or the people who are dependent on restaurant jobs or supply chain jobs or you know you know entertainment jobs or transportation jobs or hotel jobs i mean let the money go right to them i, I mean putting all this pork in there it just you know, it just galls me that somebody would take advantage of the, the American people. You know, that just well, that just galls I, me. I agree, and actually, most of the items that you mentioned were in one of Pelosi's counterproposals, and most of that was removed. I think in oh, the end, and, and and in the in the end, it was it wasn't a perfect bill, but it was a relatively clean bill, and uh, I'm glad to see it pass, and and I'm glad to see Trump sign it and and get the money to the people who need it. I just hope the Democrats are held accountable for that. You, you, you know, when you see that, you, you know, you, you know, it's some groups talk now about, isn't it nice to see nobody on the streets or in, in the, or the traffic down or no pollution, but you know, people have to work, you know, and, and I think there's a, there's a balance between climate change and, and environment and the like, and, you, you live in China, and I've lived in China. I understand how bad pollution can get. You know, I understand, it get, you, know, it, you know, all that. But at the same time, you know, anybody who wants to go into government service and, and really understand it has to understand the value of the economy. And, and, you know, I don't agree with President Trump that this is going to be done by Easter. My, my guess is May or mid-May probably until we come back. But, you know, he, he is right for the urgency on the economy. And you know, for, for for you know, for guys like me and you, John, it's a little bit easier here be, because we're, I mean, we're uh, you know, we're you know, we're services type of guys, and, and we can do work from home. But you know, other people who can't, it's 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 tough. And as you mentioned, all the small businesses. But but you also mentioned right now. I just I tell our listeners, you know, uh, I guess right now you're, uh, uh, you know, that the Chinese are shutting the borders to foreigners right now. Why don't you talk yes. a little bit about that? They have completely shut the border to foreigners starting on the 28th of this month. Um, you know, I think they believe that they have the virus under control in their country and they, uh, you know, they see the, the increasing infection rates outside of China and they don't want foreigners bringing uh, the infection back in. Uh, from a personal level, that's disappointing from a, from a uh, because I can't go back anytime soon. Uh, but I understand why they're doing it. This is the first pandemic in, in our generation, John, in our time. And, you know, you, you know, the truth is there aren't a lot of rules sometimes. And 
I think as uh, as uh, Dr. Fauci said, you know, last night, I think, you know, I heard heard him say, you know, it's not business that's going to dictate this, you know, when we stay off. It's going to be the virus that's going to dictate. Yeah, yeah, I agree. And, you that's know, what I was trying to say earlier. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And you just got to, you know, you got to go with it and you can't be stupid, you, you know. And, uh, I, I, you know, I, I think I read a stat now where nine-tenths of the, of, the, of the people who are, you know, who, who in the country are actually at home now. And, you know, guys, look, you know, from, from this, this podcast nation here, you know, you know, you, you know, you're talking to John right now. John's had it. He just recently got over it. It's no fun. You can get it. John's a relatively health, healthy guy who got it. And he didn't get it in China. He got it here, which is very interesting, too, you know. But, you, you know, we can learn from each other. We can learn from different countries. You know, look, you know, they're there's good and bad about the Chinese and there's good and bad about uh, our country too. But right now we need to take the good from every country to solve this issue. You know, and there's, you know, there's, you know, you know, was it, was it the Kenny Rogers song, rest her soul? You, you, you know, what, what do you say? Time. And was it time enough for, what do you say? Time enough for, and until the oh. dealing's done. You got to, yeah. You got to, you got to know when to hold up, know when to hold up. You know, right now we're dead. We're definitely in the holdup situation, but you know, look, you know, it is what it is, but you know, John, look, you know, it's been great to have you on the show here. You're always welcome to come back, great, but, but any, any, any final thoughts on, you know, how to prevent this, how to, how to, when you have it, how to make the, the best of it and, and survive and then how to go on the other side and, 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 you know, live your life again. So just maybe a, maybe a summary here and then we'll, you know, we'll, we'll call it a show. Well, uh, how to prevent it, listen to the doctors, listen to the authorities, practice your social, your social distancing, uh, don't take it lightly. Um, this, is, this is a very contagious virus. Uh, you know, listen to what you're being told by, by, the, by the medical authorities. Um, in terms of the virus itself, uh, I think I'm a relatively healthy guy. I don't have any respiratory issues. Uh, I have. I, I am a strong proponent of if you have the virus and you're starting to develop respiratory issues, get yourself a good codeine-based cough syrup that will allow you to uh, uh, to breathe and it will allow your body to fight the virus and it will could quite possibly keep you off the ventilator. So um, bug your doctor for that if you're starting to develop respiratory problems and you're coughing and you can't sleep. Um, you let them know and you stay on top of them. Uh, I think there's some interesting... Um, uh, early therapies that are starting to starting to be used off label for those who have really uh, uh, progressive disease. Fortunately, I, I never got there. Uh, my case was a medium case at most; might even be considered a mild case. Um, so, uh, you know, my advice is stay on top of it. Understand what medications work. You may have to request them from your doctor, you, and you may have to aggressively request them from your doctor. Uh, but, but we're going to get through this. I'm, I'm fully confident we will get through this. And Well, John, and we'll be John, we'll, yeah, go, go ahead. ahead. And, we'll no, be no, better, no, and, we'll, and we'll be better pre- prepared for, for the next epidemic or pandemic because of it. Oh, I hear you, man. Well, guys, I'll tell you what, that, that was John Myers, my, my, my friend and colleague. And, you know, be safe out there, be careful, and uh, we, we will um, – We'll talk to you soon on on another episode of Now Hear Me Out. All the best.